It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $5 into 200. That's 40 to 1 odds on any basketball game. All you have to do is pick any team that is still in the hunt for the trophy, and if that team wins, you receive $200 in free credits. That's right. Pick any team still in contention, bet $5, and if that team wins, you cash $200 in free credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $5 into $200 in free credits. Bet on a basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you can claim $200 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out and site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nick Horwat. Obviously, there's a reason that we're here post-game six. Obviously, there's a reason that Horwat's face is the expression that it is. The Pittsburgh Penguins season is officially over. They lost by a score of 5-3 to three tonight to the New York Islanders in game six, dropping the series in six games. Horwat, how you doing tonight, buddy? not doing well i'm not doing well i will say i had a period to breathe mm-hmm. that was good rather than just it being double overtime end of the game like that and it all just kind of has to drain out of you at once i had a whole period to accept the fact that this season was over for whatever reason it may be and then they decided to tease me and play pretty good in the first 10 minutes uh, other than that i'm doing yeah, well i'm doing okay i guess yeah, just okay, I guess. I mean, it was a tough game here in Game 6 because the Penguins did give a lot of us hope with the way that they were able to come out and, of course, being able to beat Ilya Sorokin a lot more than they were able to in the games prior. But we'll get into all that and more as we're going to review Game 6 in our first segment of Episode 50 of Season 2. So for what it's worth, a landmark episode for the tip of the iceberg in Season 2, the 50th of the second season. We'll talk about Game 6. We'll have a playoff post-mortem in our second episode. And then considering this is technically our Thursday episode, we will have our shout-outs and call-out segment to finish off the show. But we want to thank everybody that is tuning in live on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube. Because we are live on Wednesday evening. If you do hear a little bit of rain and thunder in the background, it's just because the biggest thunderstorm since I moved to Virginia is happening now of all times but uh, we're, we're going to get through one here too but it never really came so actually well, I take that back it straight up downpoured about a minute after Jari led in the fifth and I thought this is <laughs> just poetic but then it went away but um, hmm. yeah I expect yeah it's same here in case it comes back expect thunderstorms and honestly it's uh, it's appropriate yeah it, it was a rainy day at the end in 
Virginia and in Pennsylvania, and it was a rainy day for the Pittsburgh Penguins on the ice. And I Let's get into just, Game 6. I just want to apologize now for all the negativity I will be throwing out the rest of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Get that out of the way. It's I'm not going to say too many positive things here. Uh, it's pretty hard to, to stay positive after your team loses in the playoffs, especially the way that they were unceremoniously dumped out of the playoffs thanks to the goaltending effort by Tristan Jari and some of the defensive effort by the team in this game. But let's get to game six because it was a crazy game six, especially in the first period. Starting out early, Jeff Carter put in his fourth goal of the playoffs to give the Penguins a one to nothing lead. But unfortunately, kind of the storyline of that first period, the Islanders were able to just answer back everything the Penguins were doing. Anthony Beauvillier beat Sidney Crosby down the wing and was able to put in his third goal of the postseason to tie it at one. Jake Gensel finally able to get on the scoreboard on the power play in the first period, giving the Penguins a 2-1 to lead before Kyle Palmieri was able to tie it up shortly after that. And then at the end of the first period, you're sitting at 2-2. The Penguins, who had played fairly decently throughout the period, it was an even period on both ends, and the Penguins just unable to hold on to any lead. Going to the second period, it's more of the same. Jason Zucker gets a nice assist, or sorry, a goal on a tip play, to give the Penguins a 3-2 lead, Brock Nelson comes right back and scores. And all of a sudden, it's 3-3 game. And from there on out, it is all New York Islanders in that period. Ryan Pulak puts in a goal to make it 4-3, give the Islanders their first lead of the game. Brock Nelson with his second goal of the game, his third of the postseason, put the Islanders up 5-3. And at this point, it was all over but the crying because knowing the way that the New York Islanders play the game of hockey, knowing that they had a two-goal lead going into the third period of a game where the Penguins' backs were up against the wall, it was pretty hard to imagine the Penguins being able to go out and outscore the Islanders by two goals whenever they're set up to play the way that they're set up to play. And that is exactly what happened. The Pittsburgh Penguins just were not able to beat Ilya Sorokin in the third period at all, and they fall by a score of 5-3. to three. The season is over. Effectively, this entire great opportunity that it seemed that the Pittsburgh Penguins had coming into this postseason is gone in an instant. And by an instant, it, it's about two weeks, but it gone too soon, for sure, much sooner than anybody in Pittsburgh expected or hoped. But Horwat, what are your overall opinions on the game before we get into the specifics of it? There were countless times throughout this game that you could watch this team and know that the Penguins were the better team overall. It, and they were obviously mostly through the first first part of the game, obviously kind of in the third it it's just mind-boggling to me i and i just tweeted this out it is quite literally mind-boggling to me that this team is this good this is the best team we've had in a while yes it, top to bottom front to back if DeSmith wasn't hurt you could even say the starting and backup goalies are two good goalies despite popular belief apparently and despite what we've seen recently yes that Oh, Tristan Jari, my guy. Um, but it's mind-boggling. This team is so good up and down the lineup, all over the place. Even the coaching staff and the management has improved this season. To give us this. And this happens. It's... I don't know how to, like... And I still enjoy this team. I just don't know how to sit on this realization that... This sucks, man. This sucks. I mean, my opinions on the game overall, I mean... Like I said, we looked like a be- like the better team for parts of it, but those few parts that we didn't were too. It was just too many. It was mm-hmm. just too many. I, 
I didn't want to sit comfortably until we had a two-goal lead, and we never got it. Yet, we tweeted something out during the last game, going into the third period of game number five, a huge game number five, where the Penguins had a two-to-one lead. Heading into the third period, we tweeted, the New York Islanders are comfortable here. They're comfortable down a goal with a period left. And guess what? It worked out for them in game five. It worked out for them on several occasions in game six. The Islanders were just fine with a one-goal deficit, and the Penguins were never able to push it to a two-goal deficit. The one time they did was in game number three, and while the Islanders did come back, the Penguins were able to extend it again and go out and get a victory in game number three. But at the end of the day, the Penguins lose the series again in six games. We have a couple takeaways and comments. We have from Ryan Howell says, Silver Linings. Most teams don't have the benefit of watching a generational player help his team to win three Stanley Cups. You could be the Flyers. <laughs> That's true. It's going to sting for a while, though. I, I completely agree. Thank you to Ryan for, for tuning in. And again, obviously, completely agree with, with everything that he said there. Uh, Jackson Hollister also tuning in on YouTube says, I hate blaming the goalies, but he struggled. And I really believe he lost the series for us. We need a new starting goalie is what he says. Uh Cool. Philipper on, on Twitter also said what happened to Jari. So I guess let's get into it. Tristan Jari's performance in game six. Uh, we didn't get the chance to talk about game number five, and it is what it is. Uh, I mean, Tristan Jari cost him that game in double overtime with, with a poor turnover. But let's talk about his performance in game six, Horwat. To me, it didn't seem as if he was ever comfortable in the net. Nope. Nope. And I literally wrote an entire story about it because of that um... – that uh, boneheaded pass to, straight to Josh Bailey. It's not so much that he has played bad. I mean, he could have played better, but he's just he lost his mind every game we lost. It seemed there was he was too worried about playing a body or being an aggressive goaltender. So it cost him on so many occasions. And it's not so much that in this specific game he was playing like that, playing aggressive and playing. He was playing much smarter, it seemed. He just couldn't stop a beach ball tonight. That's all it was in game six. Whereas game five, I mean, he seemed okay. He was making stops, making big saves, getting us to overtime, getting us through a first overtime. And then quite literally a minute into the second one doing that. And I think that's going to highlight a lot of the discussion we have about Jari this upcoming offseason because he had to be smarter. He had to be smarter with making the right saves, making good saves, and then on top of that, not being super aggressive. I apologize for the doors in the background. Um, but it's... He's got to play smarter. I see all of these people jumping in to the find a new goalie. Oof. You don't want to agree with it. You don't want to because yeah. holy hell have we had this whole goalie fight since the flurry days, man. I, so many people tweeting out about the 2012-2013 flurry and then this Tristan Jari. It's it's so brutal. It is beyond brutal. I, I don't have words for a lot of this. It's just this hurts. He needs to... He would need to play smarter, which, again, like I said, he did in Game 6. He looked to be playing a lot smarter. He looked to not be, you know, worried about how the Islanders were coming after him or, you know, chipping in on him. But he just couldn't make the important saves, and that's what killed us. So as for what happened, um, dude, I don't know. 
I do not know. He just had a bad playoffs. I mean, it yeah. happens to goaltenders. It happens to goaltenders. Not every goaltender is going to come out and be Connor Hellyabuck. But <laughs> the Winnipeg Jets, not, not every goaltender is going to come out and be what Jack Campbell is right now for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we all do we all need a reminder of some of the playoffs that Marc-Andre Fleury had? A lot of the people are saying, well, we should have never got rid of Fleury. And, you know, that, that they're always going to be there. And, and listen, you, you can say what you want. That vocal majority or minority of Penn's Twitter is always going to be there saying that we should have never got rid of Fleury, should have never got rid of Matt Murray. But here's the thing. And I, I did want to wait on this until the postmortem, but considering we're talking about goaltending, Marc-Andre Fleury had some of the worst postseason meltdowns in the history of the league. And now look at him right now. So it's it's a matter of, and you say it all the time, and let's all say it together, goaltenders are voodoo. You sometimes don't know what you're going to get. Very, very rarely do you get consistently grade A performances postseason after postseason because it's a different season. And Jari was kind of unstable at points during the regular season. And then in the playoffs, he just wasn't able to catch his footing. Sorry for cutting you off earlier. You're Go good. I, I was just going to say, um, you were talking about the flurry thing, and I was going to say, why do you think I hold Thomas Vokun in such high regard? My God, he carried us to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's something that, holy shit, I don't think an, another goalie can do right now for us. Um, but when you talk about consistent goalies, you know, playoffs in and out, Hellebuck doesn't even reach that discussion. Vasilevsky might be the only goalie that really can do it. And I only mention that because I'm watching. I have the game on over here. It's 2 nothing Tampa, in case anybody's curious. But it's just no goalie really can do that. I mean, Fleury's been phenomenal in Vegas. There could be a multitude of different factors for that. And for the first time in my head, it finally popped up. Who's their goaltending coach? What changed in Fleury's game that is making him, at his age, play this well? Compared to what Mike Buckley is doing right now with us, who I've seen him get thrown under the bus a couple times. I mean, hell, I've seen everyone get thrown under the bus, but at yeah. some point, the coaching jumps in a little bit into this discussion, and we'll have to see where this all goes. It's going to be a hell of an offseason, mm-hmm. and man, I'm just going to be all over the place, so I do want to cut back to Ryan Howell's silver linings and saying, you're right when you talk about watching generational talents. Um... Again, those will be big discussions to have this offseason about if we continue. And at least we're not the Flyers. Hell yes, we got that going for us, right? <laughs> yeah, we have five since 75, whereas they do not have a single Stanley Cup since 1975. Always nice to, to go back on Old Reliable. But before we continue our discussion on Game 6, a gut punch of a loss for the Pittsburgh Penguins, we have the Hockey Troll is tuned in to our episode, and he is as vocal as ever on Twitter. He was kind of quiet ever since the... Capitals bowed out. I think he was just waiting for his moment. And he said, remember, no icy light on the golf course, boys. At least bring some yingers. Uh, Hockey Troll, we might have to come meet you in West Virginia, or you can. we can all meet in PA, or maybe you guys can come down to Virginia. We'll get a golf round in at some point this summer because it's going to be a long one for the Washington Capitals fans and for Pittsburgh Penguins fans, as it is officially the offseason. We will get our 3M segment in in the coming weeks. We will get another mock expansion draft in in the next couple weeks. We'll break down the postseason and the offseason in later episodes, but right now we're still doing a postseason postmortem, talking a little bit about game number six in a, a game in which the Penguins, I mean, they showed life. If you want to compare this to their 
game number four from last postseason. Last year, it was a hapless performance by the Pittsburgh Penguins. And you know who did show up in that? That was Tristan Jari. He was the only player that showed up for game number four against the Montreal Canadiens last year. And it's an inverse this year. I think all forward Penguins lines, all four Penguins forward lines, excuse me, they played pretty well tonight. I, I think Jason Zucker had an inspired performance. I think I enjoy the way that he I just enjoy the way that he plays. I mean, the guy doesn't have a setting under 100%. We say that about Brandon Tanev a lot, but Jason Zucker is right up there along that. So he does everything that Tanev does. It's just not as flashy, not as stylish. And I think the expectations are a little bit higher for him, but it was nice to see him get on the board. I was hoping that would be the game winner, but unfortunately it wasn't. But the Pittsburgh Penguins as a team, I thought they played pretty well in this game. Uh, in the first 40 minutes, I should say, I think the goaltending struggled a little bit. I think there were defensive issues at points, and the Islanders were able to capitalize on those. But other than that, I think the Penguins played at least the first 40 minutes pretty well. In the last 20, it was exactly what the Islanders want to do. They're going to boa constrict. They're going to say, you know what? This game ended whenever we went into the second intermission. You're not going to get a goal past Ilya Sorokin. It's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. He's undefeated in the playoffs. Undefeated for his career in the playoffs, if you if you will, really. Um, I mean, he's what, 25? He's Jari's age. Uh, yep. <laughs> that, I don't have words because he didn't seem to be that, that much of a standout goalie in the regular season. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we just couldn't figure him out for whatever reason it was. I mean, we were rifling shots every game. Going into game six, we had 194 which at the time of me writing my piece was second in the playoffs. Second behind, I believe, only the Panthers, Mm. who have definitely surpassed that now. But still, just, I mean, 50 shots in Game 5. It's, I can't even put up the math in my head right now what his, you know, goals against average is. It was one point going into this game. Um, And his... You know, save percentage is um, through the roof. He, mm-hmm. This kid is stopping pucks. It's, I don't know how to put it. We couldn't figure him out. The big thing that we talked about the Penguins needing when we last spoke on this podcast, going into game five at that point, was they need top-line players to be top-line players. They need their stars to play as their stars, and they got that in game five. And I feel like they got that from the Malkin line in game six. Early on, Kasperi Kapanen had a really nice play that started the Jeff Carter goal. Evgeny Malkin had multiple assists in this game, which passes Mario Lemieux for second all-time in Pittsburgh Penguins playoff scoring. So that's an amazing accomplishment. I know for him, it's not going to be something that he's going to be very happy about tonight, considering the season is over and the, and the team obviously lost. But that's an amazing accomplishment in itself. For Evgeny Malkin being able to surpass Mario Lemieux, it's something going back again to Ryan Howard's silver linings. Uh, Ryan Howell, excuse me, his silver linings. It's been great to watch these two guys, and I think it stings even more just knowing that this was probably one of their top opportunities left. It's tough. Yeah, it was, and like I and like I said at the off the top, this it's mind-boggling how good this specific team is. Yeah, last year we thought we had a good team. We thought we probably I thought at the time thought we could probably find dig up dig up the footage. Yeah, bringing in Patrick Marlowe might be a good idea. It's you know veteran presence. It's this that the other. Bringing back Connor Sheary might be fun because you know twenty sixteen and seventeen. 
you know. But now here we are. Our team is definitely improved. We can look at this team, you know, this 2020-2021 team, knowing, wow, they are vastly better than Mm -hmm. what we thought a good team was last year. Yeah. We know Jeff Carter has, wow, it... (laughs) Oh, he is gonna be fun to watch next year. That's that's another silver lining, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get into that in the Oof. second segment. But coming going into the offseason, the Penguins are pretty set to bring back most of this team. So mm-hmm. if you can figure out some of the issues that you had, you have basically the same team, and that doesn't mean there's a, you know, doesn't mean you're gonna have that big of a drop off next season. But let, let's bring it back to Game Six really quickly before we move into that postseason post mortem. I really feel that the New York Islanders have a shot to go out and beat the Boston Bruins. The only difficult thing for them is going to be, can they beat an actual goaltender in Tuka Rask? Because he's not going to give them games the way that Tristan Jari gave them a couple games in this series. But here's the thing with the New York Islanders. Ryan Pulak and Adam Pellick, I think you need to give them an amazing amount of respect seeing what they were able to do to the Sidney Crosby line. I think those two, if any team in the NHL were to pick what the best defensive pairing is when it comes to playing defense, actually playing defense, they have to be top three. I mean, they completely shut down the Sidney Crosby line. Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, and Brian Rust. In this series, Crosby had one goal in game one. Gensel had one goal on the power play in game six. And Brian Rust only had two goals. Those two played pretty much the majority of their minutes against that line. And they were able to shut them down the way they were. I mean, the Crosby line was negative or minus four today. That was absolutely horrendous when it comes to the defensive zone. And part of that is because of the frustration of Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak. So a shout out to them. That was a huge storyline in this series is that those guys were able to shut down the Penguins first line. And it continued tonight. It, it was, it was a hundred percent. The, Second biggest storyline in this series behind the Penguins goaltending. And it sucks for Sidney Crosby because he went out and had a really poor six games and he's not getting any younger and he's trying to get that last Stanley Cup and it makes it difficult. But those two played extremely well. Somebody that I don't really give respect to is is Scott Mayfield. I think he's an awful human. And I don't think... I don't think he's that good. I I know he's a pretty decent player. I would say he's probably the same thing as Marcus Pedersen, to be completely honest. He really is. The only difference between Mayfield playing the game that he plays and Pelic and Pulak playing the game that they play is Pelic and Pulak know how to play it well. Scott Mayfield's just trying to duplicate that and trying to replicate that. And, and the cross-check on Evgeny Malkin, listen, the refereeing in this game, you can say what you will about it. It was consistent. I was not upset at the refereeing in this game in fact honestly and this is probably going to get clipped by our friends at the caps chirp podcast i think the refereeing favored the penguins for majorities of this game especially in the third period the penguins committed so many penalties and it took john marino splitting matt martin's head open Eh, for them for for them to call something so listen the refereeing was not the issue Scott May, but that just highlights the fact that Scott Mayfield had to do something completely and utterly idiotic to get a penalty called on him, and that's what he did against Evgeny Malkin in the first. He's he's just a bleh defenseman, and it's just I kept watching that game and watching some of the plays that he made, and it just irritated me because 
he'll get thrown in a pool with Pelican Pulak, and Pelican Pulak are, are just miles above what he is. So, obviously, high regards for those two on the top pairing. They shut down the Crosby line. That was a huge sticking point of this game and this entire series. Scott Mayfield, on the other hand, I'm excited to see hopefully Boston just pull him apart in the next series. Yeah, it's uh, you're saying the Islanders have a chance to uh, take on the Bruins. I disagree fully. I think it's going to be a clean sweep in Boston because <laughs> it's not a real goaltender. Number one, yeah. If he, if let me let me preface this, it's a clean sweep in Boston if Tukarask decides to be good, stay in the game, Tukarask. <laughs> because we we we're talking about goaltending voodoo. I think he defines it. Yeah, um, that's that's fair. Um. Matt Martin was going is going to blow up against that team because he doesn't know how to keep his head on straight that much either. We just couldn't figure it out. And I don't know. That their top line, their perfection line actually knows how to score a damn goal. So <laughs> Taylor Hall also is apparently still good. Yeah. So, Taylor Hall is extremely good. And and that series is gonna be extremely good. I don't see <laughs> Listen, I know you saying a sweep might also be part of malice because of what we just saw them do to the Penguins for the second time in three years. But I, the Highlanders, you can't refute the fact that they were able to go out there and beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's not forget, Matt Barzal didn't have a single goal in six games. And he oh, is their that. offensive. Yeah. I mean, the Penguins were able to shut down Matt Barzal. He had moments where he played pretty well. But for the most part, Matt Barzal was not a factor in this series. And they were still able to win. I mean, the Penguins controlled... A lot of the six games that happened here. Games one and two, I would say they controlled fully. Game three, for the most part, they controlled. Game four, no. The Islanders completely dominated. The Penguins played probably the best game you can see a team play in the playoffs in game five and still lost. At that point, you had to know that it was going to be a tough hill to climb. It was possible, and the Penguins came out the correct way in game six. They played well at the start. They got a lead early. They got a secondary lead. They got a third lead, and they gave all three of them up. So it's not that they didn't have the opportunities there. It's not that they didn't try because, if, again, compare it to last season's elimination game against the Canadiens. They tried, and they succeeded in this game tonight in Game 6. But the Islanders just overwhelmed them, and they couldn't get the performance from Crosby that they needed. And that's the end of the story. I mean, to me, the two storylines are, are Jari and the Crosby line. And there's something the Crosby line is missing that I'll talk about in the second segment. But Horwat, any last thoughts on Game 6 before we do a, a whole sweeping postseason postmortem? No, because I'm sure all my thoughts on this team and everything I want to say are, should be in the next segment. So, Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to continue talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins season as it has come to an end, losing Game 6 by a score of 5-3. to three. But we're going to take one quick break when we come back, talking about the Penguins postmortem. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings. Make sure to use promo code THPN. When you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app to get amazing opportunities and great lines on your next sports betting venture. Remember, DraftKings, code THPN. We're talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins and the season being over. They lose by a score of 5-3 to three against the New York Islanders on Wednesday evening. It's 
disappointing to say the least for the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially when you look at the fact that now they have failed to get out of the first round in three straight seasons, the first time that that has ever happened in the Sidney Crosby of Guinea Malkin era. Horwat, looking at this series as a whole series, it feels like a missed opportunity to me. What does it feel like for you looking back at the six games? Uh, a huge missed opportunity because, like I've said it a thousand times already, this team has been the best team that we've seen since maybe the Cup team in 17. Like, mm-hmm. let's tell it as it is. The fourth, our fourth line now could probably very well match up with our fourth line then, if not better. Oh yeah, our fourth line now is better than any fourth line we've had when we've won a cup. Yeah, and then there's on top of that, you add, yeah, sure, sixteen had the HBK line, but I don't know. You, I think Jeff Carter is a pretty solid third center. I mean, those two, yeah. those those two lines are pretty evenly matched. So who knows exactly there? This is one of the better teams that we've seen in a long time. And this is just sad. This is just depressing to end it like this. Like I said, I'm glad I had an entire period to kind of breathe and actually have words to tell you and to talk <laughs> about. Um, because once that fifth goal went in, I right then and there, you knew the season was over. It, it you, yeah, we, there was always that thought of maybe one more, we chip in one more a dirty one. And maybe there's a fighting chance, but you knew it wasn't going to come. Even if we were attacking, I think it it does feel like a missed opportunity. It doesn't quite feel like a waste, but just the fact that we came into this so hot. We we were counted out from the beginning of the season, right? Mm-hmm. People said all all over the place, professional pundits, the Penguins are going to miss the playoffs. They are in the hardest division in the league, top to bottom. That division's going to have one maybe two teams that are great teams not make the playoffs. People were saying the Penguins were going to be one of them. Actually, hell, there are people saying the Penguins aren't even going to be one of the great teams to miss the playoffs. They were going to straight out miss. Then they had all of the injuries, an absolutely terrible start, goaltending issues. We were talking about a Jari trade in January, everybody. Yeah, we were talking a lot about John Gibson. Yes. And then, you know, injuries were... Jim Rutherford left this season. I mean, it was a short season, but it kind of feels like a long one. We overcame so much to not only make the playoffs, but win the damn East. Win the division that everyone said was going to be the hardest and most stacked. We won it. We're getting a banner next year regardless. We're going to hate it. Yeah, I'm, I, I really will. But there will be some updates made to the uh, to PPG Paints Arena ceiling. I forget what that's actually called. The rafters. There will be updates to the rafters whether we like it or not. Yeah. It was an impressive season. It was an impressive regular season. A regular season where we had discussions of Crosby maybe being up for a heart, which, by the way, is Connor McDavid. Damn lucky that those votes go in before the playoffs, much much like the Lightning a few years ago. Um, but bringing it back to the Penguins, yeah, there will be updates made. We had a hell of a regular season and wasted it away in six games and what looked like one very good victory – an iffy one let's be honest game three was a little iffy but we pulled out the win and then outplaying the islanders in almost every game and still coming up short Mm -hmm. and i want to in six games i'm finishing up right here and in six games my playoff beard couldn't even get out of the itchy phase i my my haste my face is really annoyed right now (laughs) well luckily for you that is that's that's a positive for you you get to shave (laughs) yeah i do (laughs) 
But I, I did want to bring up this tweet here from the cynical vixen saying, also, we should, uh, excuse me, also, we looked fairly good against the Isles in the regular season. I mean, to be completely fair, obviously the Penguins go 6-2 and two against the Islanders yeah. in the regular season. I thought the Penguins played probably better in this postseason in these six games than they did in the regular season against the New York Islanders. I don't think it was an issue of the way the Penguins were playing, especially on the forward side of it. I know the first line struggled a little bit, but the first line also controlled pace of play and had opportunities. I mean, Jake Gensel had 24 shots on goal going into game six and then scored a goal. Yeah. And Crosby and Rust, that line accounted for the most shots on goal for the team. Literally all three of those were the top three in shots on goal. So while they weren't getting results, it's not for lack of trying and it wasn't for lack of opportunity. So the Penguins forward lines played well. The Penguins defense had lapses at points, but overall I thought was pretty pretty good. And the goaltending was the goaltending. I, I don't want to harp on it too much because it, it's hard to sit here for 40 minutes and, and talk about the goaltending, but when has it been in history this blatant that a goaltender has been the reason that a team has lost three games in a series? <laughs> We're thinking about this like it's probably not Matt Murray. It's not. I, I I mean, even Matt Murray's play last postseason where it was suspect, it was not as blatantly costly as Tristan Jari's performance in, in this season's postseason. I mean, Matt Murray was never to the level that Tristan Jari was. And here's the thing. It is an unfortunate situation that Jim Rutherford was put in last season because while Jari was coming off of a great season, coming off of a all-star season, played pretty well in that one postseason game against the Canadiens, he's still very unproven. And the unfortunate thing is he had to make the decision then. He didn't get another season to see how this worked out. It was, okay, you saw a little bit of what Tristan Jari can do. Now you have to make the decision. Do you want to go with Jari or you want to go with Murray? Because they couldn't keep both. And... They made the decision to go with Jari, and now we don't know. I mean, it's one season. He had a relatively mediocre regular season for Justin Jari, and he had a really bad postseason. We'll see what happens next year, and we're going to get to this, I'm sure, in plenty of our offseason episodes, but Tristan Jari is going to be back next year. I know tensions are running very high, but Tristan Jari is going to be back next year. If not for any other reason is that the fact that the Penguins don't have the salary cap to go out and get a starting goalie on the market. And they do not have a trade to make to bring in a starting goalie, in my opinion. There, there's not a trade to be made that would help the Penguins by bringing in a goalie and not completely and utterly just deplete what they have up front. Because you want to keep what you had up front because the Penguins up front were great. They were great this season. They were great going into the playoffs. So you don't want to cost that by trading too many assets to try to get a starting goaltender when, who knows, Tristan Jari next season could be the Connor Hellebuck. You, you never know. I know it's it's a far-fetched at this point, but it, it's one postseason. We've seen plenty of goaltenders struggle throughout a postseason. I know the opinion on him is down now. I still think he's he's with this team. I know that he's not technically Hextall and Burke's guy, and, and really the only person in this roster that is is Jeff Carter, and that worked out pretty well for the Penguins, but... There's going to be a lot of changes made. I just I just don't feel like that's going to be one of them. No, I, I don't think so either. I think, if anything, 
Man, because DeSmith is a good backup. I would say I want a little bit more mm-hmm. support behind him, but because you want a guy, you want a backup goalie that, in a pinch, can act as a starter, right? Yeah. When it comes to that being DeSmith, he proved it once. I just don't see it happening again. Yeah. It's I don't. Casey DeSmith's not a starter. I, I, we we've said this on several occasions. He's not a starter in this league. He's a fantastic. 1B at best, and yeah. that's great. And that's what the Penguins needed from him this year. But he's not a starter. And they would have probably loved to have him play in the postseason and as an option in the postseason. And uh, Sly Fox Sports Pod, who, who joins us again for our second straight live stream. Thank you again, buddy. He says if Casey was healthy, would he had started? I, I have a hard time believing that he wouldn't. I, I think he would have started game six if he was healthy. But And honestly, in game six, I really thought Maxime Lagasse should have came in. After oh, the fourth yeah. goal. Oh, yeah. That one, without doubt. I don't know if DeSmith would have started had he been healthy, but I can definitely agree with you that uh, Lagasse should have been in, period. <laughs> should have been put in at some point, somewhere along that road. I mean, if you really think about it, he's got a 1,000 1, save percentage with the team. Yeah. So, why not, right? Uh, this is brutal. Just because our... Yeah. Goaltending depth chart, it's got no immediate help. That's kind of the issue. We have too many guys that are, you know, young, not experienced enough, not good enough, or just not here yet. Yeah. We have good goaltending depth, but it's not immediate help. Yeah, and that's, that is damn right. Yep, and Alex Dorio is probably... Like just saying. Listen, I, I, I'd love, I, I love that you said it, because it was literally right in yeah. the comments there. And... Alex Dorio, uh, it, no offense to him, he's never going to be an NHL goaltender. Emil Larmy, he's kind of getting the Yuso Rikula treatment because obviously we saw Maxime Legasse in in that last regular season game. Uh, State of Hoppy also joining us a little bit here, probably in the intermission of that first game. He misses Matt Murray. We, we know you do, Hoppy. We know you do. But the Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously goaltending is, is not an area of strength as it has been in the past. And, and right now... Again, I have a hard time believing Tristan Jari is going anywhere. We'll see what Ron Hextall and Brian Burke decide to do in the offseason. They could completely change the face of this team. They could sit here and say, you know what? We're going to stand pat. We thought it was a good team. We won the East Division, and we just need to be better in the playoffs. And, And that's what it comes down to. I honestly thought that the team played well. Yeah, the first line struggled. Yeah, the goaltending struggled. But overall... I thought the team was pretty good. Cody Cece oh my God, a, had a pretty good Cece. I mean, his series was really good. Yeah, defensively phenomenal, yeah. Mike Matheson towards the end of the season and into the playoffs, pretty good performances. John Marino stepped up a little bit in the postseason. Brian Dumlin was as Brian Dumlin as ever, and Chris Letang is Chris Letang. Listen, we had some of the best hockey he's ever played in this postseason. We've seen some of the worst play he's had in the postseason. So, it's what you're going to get with Chris Letang. And we look at, briefly, look at the Penguins cap situation and their contract situation. The big names that are going to need to be re-signed in the offseason, Cody Cece is the only one on the back end. So you can pretty much bring back your entire back end without much issue, except for Cody Cece. You're going to have to see what you want to do with him. And also remember, you have P.O. Joseph waiting in the wings. Also, forward-wise, Colton Sevier, Mark Jankowski, Evan Rodriguez, these are all names that obviously were not in the Penguins lineup in the playoffs. So 
you can let him go. You can sign him probably for cheap. Another player that's going to be on that list is Teddy Bluger. You're going to need to re-sign Teddy Bluger. You're going to need to also re-sign Zach Aston Reese. Those are the two big names to me, is Aston Reese and Bluger, because obviously those are the two names of your great fourth line that the Penguins loved. That fourth line was probably the best fourth line when it came to possession metrics, when it came to expected goals for in this series. They were extremely effective, especially in game number five. I believe they had a 76% expected goals for share at five on five in game number five. Absolutely ridiculous numbers for a fourth line. So the Penguins are going to be able to bring back the pretty much relatively the same team. I'm sure Burke and Hextall are going to want to put their fingerprints on it a little bit more. We already saw that with Jeff Carter, and that worked out extremely well. I don't know what he finished with. I know he had four goals in the playoffs. He had nine in the regular season. So if you played 20 games, he had, he had one 15 assist. goals. He had 15 goals in 20 games as a Penguin to end this season. So clearly that worked out for Hextall and Burke. But Horwath, what do you, what are you thinking going into this offseason just overall? First thoughts heading into it. Um, my first thoughts are going to come come from some tweets that I've been reading because, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm sitting here doing this podcast, but half my eyes have just been reading tweets this whole time too because these, you know, initial these initial post game interviews are pretty important and going to be full of some good some good stuff because mm-hmm. uh, let's start with people probably wanting wholesale changes on this team, right? There will definitely be some. There will be. There will be, because Hextall and Burke are going to want to build their team. So expect some interesting changes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who knows what it'll be. And then there's the question of the core. Now, the core, if you will, is not a child of Rutherford either. I mean, that's that's not his creation. That's not this new regime's creation. But Sidney Crosby has already said that when it comes to breaking up the core, he's already said that. They've been saying that for the last four years, right? Yeah. Those three want to win. They will do everything they can to win and succeed here. So you got that to look forward to. That I mean, that's going to be the big question. I mean, we know Crosby is probably untouchable. Why did I put probably? probably? Yeah, is. why did I put probably in front of that? He is. <laughs> Malkin, he played very, very well this playoffs, right? Yeah, I was I, waiting for. I mean, it took it took him a second. Yeah, it took him a second because he came out in game number three, and he was hesitant. And he came out in game number four and didn't look good at all. But I thought game number five and game number six of getting Malkin played exceptional hockey. Mm-hmm. And then there's Latang, who you could argue was one of the better players on this team this playoffs. So. It's not like one of those two were bad to the point where we're saying, yeah, this is it for them. They're on their last legs. Mm-hmm. They played well to the point of it's like they were in a contract year. They played well enough to the point of, well, now you kind of have to keep them because they're playing this well. They're proving to still be this good. When it comes to the question here, do we ship out um, Malkin or Latang? I'm saying no. It, nope. No, it's... I think we said at the beginning of the season, into the season a little bit, and especially a little bit after the um, Rutherford resigning, that if this team falls apart, Latang's probably the first to go. 
Yeah, if it's going to be either of them, it's going to be Chris Letang, but I still don't think it's either of them. I mean, for one, they have no move clauses, and neither of them have any slight inclination of wanting to leave Pittsburgh. And that's perfectly fine. I mean, like I said, at the time, I think the discussion was a little more open because Letang may not have been playing his greatest hockey. Malkin was definitely getting older. But now that we've seen it, play out this year they played great mm-hmm. they both played great hockey and they've earned their spot to stay they've earned their spot of we shouldn't be having that discussion again let's get back to it when games start up again how about that because again it's hard to stay on one team your entire career yeah that goes with any sport you know crosby's the guy that's gonna do it and we know that Malkin might do it. Latang is probably the most likely to be shipped out somewhere. So mm-hmm. we'll get back to that discussion when games start up again. Yeah, it's interesting because also Sly Fox responds with, but do they ship them out for the contract and the cap? Yes, I've trust me, I've thought about it and it's gone through my head as well, that if Evgeny Malkin's $9.5 million wasn't on the cap, they could do a lot, like bring in a goaltender that's a grade-A <laughs> goaltender. But here's the thing. You don't do that with Evgeny Malkin. It's just not something that's going to make your team that much better. I, I, as much as I like the idea of getting a six to seven million dollar goaltender that is going to be semi Andre Vasilevsky, Connor Hellebuck, Carey Price esque, it'd be great. And I love when the Penguins have stout goaltending. But Evgeny Malkin, and if you read the article in the Athletic that friend of the show Josh Yoey worked on with Rob Rossi about. Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby's relationship, you'll see that Evgeny Malkin doesn't want to go anywhere. And if Evgeny Malkin was somehow traded out from under his no-move clause, he would probably just go to Russia. And probably it would probably be an ugly story at that. Evgeny Malkin is, is going to finish his career here. What I'm more interested in is what happens this offseason with Hextall, Burke, Malkin, and Latang when it comes to their contracts, because they are going into a contract season, both of them. So do they get re-upped, or do they let them play through a contract here? That's going to be what's interesting. Malkin, last postseason, had elbow surgery. And guess what? It, it wasn't reparative elbow surgery. It was just kind of a patch-over surgery. So he still has elbow issues. Put off now he has knee over, issues. Yep. So who knows how many years he has left. I don't know if the Penguins are going to sign him to an extension before next season starts. He might play on a contract year. We saw Alex Ovechkin do that this season. Listen, it's a new league with all these cap restrictions. It's definitely going to get interesting, and it's going to be a fun storyline to watch throughout the offseason. Let's, so, let's be honest. The biggest victory the Penguins can get from here on out is if Ovechkin doesn't come back to the Capitals. And I just think that would be so fun. I don't know it's why. It's not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen, but... <laughs> I'm trying to look at anything positive for this team right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Ovechkin thing has should have any bearing on the Pittsburgh Penguins. No, but hey, you know what? It's something to look at. It's going to be something fun to watch anyway. It, it, it will be an interest, interesting storyline. I'm I'm interested to see where the number is because that shows oh, yeah. how oh, important yeah. another cup is to Alex Ovechkin or if it's still just about the money. But, uh, or the goals. Let's not or say the, the go- money. Let's not say the money. Let's say the goals. Well, if you're asking for over $10.5 million at this point, not that he doesn't deserve it, but you could go day, a long at, way in helping your team out yep, with and not how, taking that. And at how old you are. Also, I like yeah. that. I like that comment. Pull that one up. I'm guessing you're talking about this one. Pull that one up. 
Ovechkin to Edmonton. Ovechkin. <laughs> that'll get him oh. the goals record. Connor McDavid dishing to him will get him the goals record. But that'll that'll get him the goals record in a season. Exactly. But that <laughs> but also with that comes the fact that Connor McDavid, <laughs> much like Jack Eichel, there's no way those two are happy with their teams right now. These are yeah. things we can discuss at later dates because this should be a penguin centered episode. But uh Definitely. And we listen, we, we like to go go down through everybody on the Pittsburgh Penguins and talk about their future, but we're just not going to do that because we don't have the time to break down that. So we'll, we'll give our opinions on Brian Russ, Jason Zucker, Kasperi Kapanen, Jake Gensel, all of those players, obviously in our off season episodes, but just the we'll last thing I did want to mention, and, and we can obviously keep talking, but the last thing that I have on my notes that I wanted to mention is it felt like there was something missing from the top line in the playoffs. And what it felt like it was was a net front presence. Mm-hmm. You go back and you look at, okay, Chris Kunitz was that net front presence for so long for the Pittsburgh Penguins, for roughly seven seasons. And then you look at the fact that, okay, Patrick Hornquist took over from him and was there up until last season. Well, okay, last season Crosby didn't really produce. His line didn't produce. This postseason, Crosby's line didn't produce, and to me, that's exactly what they were missing in this series. Jake Gensel was the attempting to be the net front presence, and trust me, it wasn't for lack of trying. The kid got absolutely abused for six straight games. But when you have a guy that's fighting that hard just to get positioning, he doesn't have his stick down on the ice. He almost had to finesse his way to the front of the net at certain points, kind of baiting and, and timing it out so he can get to the front of the net. He's not actually there, which is what Hornquist was at that point. I'm not saying this team needed Patrick Hornquist. I'm saying this team needed somebody to fill the role that Patrick Hornquist left when they traded him. Maybe not the exact same player, but somebody that can sit in front of the net, take that beating, and not be moved. Jake Gensel is just too easily moved, and we saw Pellick and Pulock do it in the entire series. And that's why every time Crosby's line was out there, they the chances were from the dots and out. There, there weren't many ch- chances from that core right in front of the crease, and it hurt the Penguins because the Penguin, the first line was not able to get those goals that the Penguins needed. I thought the depth scoring was fantastic in this series. You can't argue that fact considering you know Brian Rust had a couple goals. Brandon Tanev had a huge game-winning goal in Game 3. Jeff Carter was absolutely phenomenal. Kasperi Kapanen played pretty well. Even though he didn't score, I thought Jared McCann had a pretty good series, and so did Freddie Gaudreau, and we already mentioned the entirety of that fourth line, how good they were. So, I think the depth was great for the Penguins. I think the problem was the top line had the opportunities but couldn't capitalize. Yeah, that's that's all it was, man. That's all it was. And I don't know what it is. We saw the team work great through the regular season. Mm -hmm. Listen, regular season and postseason are different, and that's why. Like, this, this Penguins first line in the regular season, is a top three line in the NHL, top five line in the NHL. In the postseason, they weren't that. They were not what they were in the regular season because the style of play changes. And it leans right into, like I said, Pelican Pulak. It leans into the way they like to play the game. And the Penguins' first line weren't able to... And you know what? It might be critical to say and harsh to say, they weren't able to man up with those guys. They weren't. Crosby wasn't. Gensel wasn't. Rust wasn't, Gensel especially wasn't able to just, he was just getting ragdolled around the ice for six straight games, basically. And it it didn't stop. 
So I can't think of the player that the Penguins would need there. Honestly, the one that comes to mind, and it's kind of comical, is Anthony Mantha. But I'm sure there's a couple other players around the league that fit that mold. The Penguins just need to go out there and find it, and I'm sure Hextall and Burke have that on their list of things to do in this offseason. Yeah, they have to, without doubt. Anything else that you have, Horwat, right now? I know there's a lot of emotions. <laughs> I know there's a lot of thoughts. We could probably ramble on for two hours, but we still need to save something to talk about for the next three to four months until <sighs> training camp comes back around. Um. Yeah, I, I guess everyone should just kind of be tuning in for the rest of the uh, rest of the offseason. I guess for the start, the middle, and the end of the offseason because uh, – there's going to be a lot to cover. There's going to be a lot to talk about. There's going to be a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'm already kind of looking forward to the draft, if you will. But then I look at our draft capital and realize, oh, we have like three picks this year. So, Yeah, I, I still haven't looked into the fact of whether or not we got that conditional seventh for Nick Bugstad yet. I don't know if he met those conditions. I think he had to play half the season or score six. 40 goal, forty points, not 40 goals. Jeez, we'd never get a pick. The conditional but, seventh. Oh, yeah, but, boy. <laughs> yeah, Jim Rutherford did not leave the Penguins in the greatest position when it came to draft capital or prospects. But we're going to take a quick break. Before we do that, I have one last thing that I did want to mention about this team. All season, I said that I love the way this team's playing. I think this team will get into the playoffs, but... I'm not a believer that they are a true contender until they get through a round. That still holds. And I'm going to have to say it for another year. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, right before we went on, um, right before I answered the, the link you sent me, I looked at my, my girlfriend Megan is here with me, who I love and adore very much. But the Penguins have not won a playoff series since we started dating. And I'm questioning things a little there bit. I'm is. not going to lie. <laughs> there it is. That's exactly why it is. You know what, Megan? And I know, unless you're watching it on a separate stream right now, I, I know you probably can't hear this, but you're under investigation now. <laughs> you are clearly under investigation because I didn't even think about that. You know what? I, I got I to cut to a break really quickly, and I got to start getting my things in a row for this investigation. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, our shout-outs and call-outs to end out this episode. I'm Corey Francis. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, this game. This game is this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually they actually made me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, the ending podcast of the 2020-21 Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously, we're going to continue to do off-season podcasts as well. As of right now, the plan is to continue with our Monday and Thursday episodes Probably going to be a little bit shorter than our customary hour and 30 minutes that we've been running on for the bulk of this season. But we will continue to get you guys as much content as possible, as much fun Penguins talk as possible, and also some some fun segments. We'll continue to do the Pens poll. We'll continue to do the shout-outs and call-outs. But as of, same as last season, 
once we get into the off season, shout outs and call outs kind of becomes about sitcoms and baseball <laughs> and food. Oh, so it, it, it'll be fun. But let's get into our shout outs and call outs here. Horwat, who are you calling out? Let, let's get the, the vegetables out of the way yeah. first. Who are you calling out this week? Um, and it's good to break away from the Penguin talk for a minute because my call out doesn't refrain, doesn't discuss them. And I had a call out ready to go until this afternoon okay. when Robert Morris University decided to announce that they are cutting their men's and women's Division I hockey teams. Um, listen, we didn't, me and you did not go to a school who had college hockey. I had gone to a couple of d1 rmu games and they are a ton of fun to be at hell my our buddy brandon played on the d3 team and those were honestly quite entertaining when the right players were there um the fact that rmu and their whoever made this decision decided to make this decision is again you want to talk about the penguins being mind-boggling this is mind-boggling for the city of pittsburgh i mean RMU and that hockey team, and both hockey teams, I should say, really, uh, because the women's team produced multiple Olympics, uh, multiple Olympians. The men's team was a huge reason why, um, you know, the NCAA Frozen Four tournament was brought to Pittsburgh. It's a huge reason why. Um, what am I trying to get to here? Let's, I mean, yeah, the Penguins are the Penguins. Mary Lemieux, Sidney Crosby are a huge part of growth in the growth of hockey in Western PA. RMU has a huge hand in that as well. They've from bringing in local kids to play on their teams to growing the sport in just different ways. You know, bringing in the Frozen Four, bringing in attention of college hockey, having a hell of a program, and then the Olympians. I mean, both teams were really good almost at all times. I mean. RMU put up a, if I if I'm not mistaken, I think they won a Frozen Four once, and then have definitely put up good fights throughout the past few years. I could be wrong on this. Um, I mean, I have a ton of friends that went to RMU. Um, like I said, our buddy played on the D3 team. He knows a ton of kids that played on the D2 and the D1 team. It's uh, it's it sucks to lose a Division One a Division One team anywhere. I get RMU isn't the biggest of schools and. You know, people are screwed with money right now, but that's not the cut you make. And uh, I got to find the Jesse Marshall tweet who put it perfectly that um, I think it was a lot more than just the um, the D1 team that was there. It, that The whole facility um, helps grow the game. I mean, mm-hmm. I played inline hockey there. Some of my favorite hockey memories of me personally are at their facility. So... A ton of fun stuff from that area and from that school, and I can't find the tweet now, but that's fine. But it sucks that RME decided to make a decision like this and really just take away hockey from this uh, hockey-loving town. It was a it was a gut punch. There's been a lot of gut punches for Pittsburgh hockey fans in the past week, and and this was just another one coming across the wire in the early afternoon. I saw it initially because of your retweet, and it it is sad. It's extremely sad because for all the reasons you mentioned, you're, of, of course, a lot closer because you and Brandon are close. I, I had a buddy named Tyler that, that used to play on the D— I believe he was either the D2 or the D1 team, but if you've ever lived in the city of Pittsburgh, obviously you know the importance of hockey just by seeing the, the Penguins fans, but 
you should see some of the Robert Morris fans, and they're literally out in full force. And everything that that organization, not even organization, that club has done for, for Pittsburgh hockey in the community. I mean, you mentioned the Frozen Four. That's the big thing for me. If the, Robert Morris wasn't who they were in D1 hockey, the Pitts, city of Pittsburgh would not have gotten two Frozen Fours in the past, what, five, six years? It's what made Pittsburgh kind of a destination for college hockey, which is a, a budding industry right now and a budding sport right now. NCAA hockey is probably in the best position it's been in in a long time. And a big reason of that is the city of Pittsburgh. You know, they've housed Frozen Fours. Uh, they've housed RMU, who has been a very standout organization for college hockey, especially in Western Pennsylvania. So it's unfortunate. Uh, there's there's no positives to bring out of it, and you just hope that it, it's all kind of fixed. I don't know if it ever will be, and I don't know if anybody's going to make a, a anonymous donation, but that's the only thing we can hope for because if not, it's just a really unfortunate and really sad event. It is, and uh, it's we don't know where it goes from here. We don't because mm-hmm. we don't know the details, and yeah, it's out of our hands, obviously, but it's just... <laughs> Yeah, I have like five dollars. I I can't do anything there about is this. A, I did see there is like a change. Dot com petition going around for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it's gonna be tough, but irregardless, it, it's a sad moment for the city of Pittsburgh and for the hockey community in Pittsburgh. And you just hope that either something fills its spot or it's able to regain its its steam and come back. I at least Robert ho- Morris. and I at least hope that facility doesn't facility facility doesn't shut down. It's a if anyone's ever been to the Island Sports Center, it's incredible. Yeah, out on Neville Island in Pittsburgh, of course. My call out, and you mentioned him earlier, is Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. <laughs> How you can be first and second in NHL scoring, and be so much further above everybody else, and then get swept by the Winnipeg Jets. I, I understand the correct answer is Connor Hellyabuck, but the, it's still, you're supposed to be the face of this league. You can't go out there and lay a goose egg like that. Like, I was excited to watch possibly McDavid versus Matthews. We're probably never going to get that now in the playoffs because I don't know if Connor McDavid, at least if he's on the Oilers, is ever going to get past the first round. No, no, it's. Tell you what, that, that was some entertaining stuff to wake up to. Because I saw that, at least for games three and four of their series, I fell asleep during, uh, I think it was two to one still in game mm. three. And then I saw they lost in overtime, five to four. And I thought that was quite funny. And then I did watch the first overtime of game four. Said, I, it's way too late for me. I'm tired. Turned it off. Saw it went to three overtimes. Got really happy I went to bed. And saw they lost. Um, yeah, you how, mentioned game three. The fact that they were up four to one and ended up losing game three, just poor showing by the Edmonton Oilers. And I mean, it leads into my, my shout out, but I'll let you go ahead and say whatever you were going to say there. I mean, we predicted, we both of us predicted the, predicted the Oilers to win the series. And I texted you, can I revert back to whenever I said the Jets would win the North? Because basically, let's, I mean, the way they showed the Oilers who's boss that's a that's something to discuss there. I mean, they did better than us, and I mean, Connor and Leon, how, how much more can they do? How much more can they do? Yeah, I mean, they could have scored a point in the first two games. But Still, you got to get a team around them, for God's sake. You have to. 
Yeah, but I mean, the, the problem wasn't necessarily Mike Smith, because in the first two games, Mike Smith played pretty well. And in the last two games, he didn't play as well. But if you look at the team there, I mean, even though we're calling out, I'm calling out the Oilers, I'm shouting out Darnell Nurse, because that man played, <laughs> he played the five-minute shift at one point during that yeah. three-overtime game. I mean, the guy was, for, for obvious reasons, because they don't have defense behind him, he, he was played and overplayed for the Edmonton Oilers. So I hope he's he's relaxing, getting ready to to hit the links as we're going to be getting ready to hit the links here with the postseason starting. But this kind of brings it into my shout-out for this week because of what the Oilers did, and by did, I mean they didn't do anything, and they completely got shut out in the postseason. I don't want to say it forced Wayne Gretzky to leave, but <laughs> it might have played a part in Wayne Gretzky leaving the Edmonton Oilers organization and joining TNT as a broadcast analyst. So I want to shout out TNT for bringing in Wayne Gretzky. That's an outside the box decision. Something that I know I saw ESPN was trying to do as well, but TNT gets Wayne Gretzky on there. Listen, he's not going to be Charles Barkley. He's not going to come out with crazy takes. He's not going to call out any players, but I'm interested to see his view on the game on a, on an almost nightly basis. I'm interested to see his comments and see if TNT can bring out a little bit of the great one in the great one and let him hopefully settle into an analyst role that is great for the game and grows the game. I know he's a huge hockey historian and I read his book. Clearly, if you read his book, you can tell how much he adores the history of hockey and how much he adores the game of hockey. So I'm excited to see Wayne Gretzky as an analyst. I think it's a good move by TNT. I think they need to continue and they need to find that Charles Barkley figure because Gretzky isn't it, but if you can find somebody that's like Charles Barkley that can get Gretzky a little bit more into a into a crazier state of mind, I think that'd be perfect. Is could it could it by could the could the Charles Barkley by chance be Eddie O, Kenny Albert, or Keith Jones? Because those all, all three of those guys also signed with TNT and Turner. Keith Jones, I, I'm not a fan of Keith Jones, and you know this, and many of the listeners know this. I'm not a fan. I'm also not a fan of this man, which oh. is Mike Milbury. No, uh, I, I definitely don't I don't want to see Mike Milbury do it. I also don't think him or Roenick have any opportunity to get any jobs in the near future in hockey media. So I also don't think Pierre has been given an offer. So Thankfully. Big old bullet miss there. But yes, it, TNT went out and did a very great thing, not just for the idea of getting, like you mentioned, a hockey historian who can be a great analyst – they went out and said, how are we going to really get viewership? Oh, the mm-hmm. number one name in the literal sport. <laughs> yeah. Bring him on. That's, like, there's a bump. Like, yeah. you're going to get the outsiders that know the name because it is so synonymous with the sport. Because, I mean, he hasn't really been in front of a camera that much. I mean, no. he was a coach for a little while, but it didn't turn out well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's going to be on TV, easy access TV, no less. It's not like he's just doing these documentaries on NHL Network or, you know, the NHL 100 thing. This is different. This is on easy to find TV. And it's going to be a role that has him doing, I think, at least a decent amount of stuff. He's excited about it. TNT's excited about it. And that's going to bring in just the casual viewer, which is going yeah. to be massive. For this uh, league and that station going forward. Now we just need to see who ESPN pulls in because I think that's a pretty big fish. Yeah, Wayne Kresge's probably the biggest fish that you could pull in. I don't know. What do you think? If, if you let Ryan Whitney 
riff as Ryan Whitney would like to riff. Wouldn't that kind of fill the Charles Barkley role? I don't know. I, those, those spit and chicklets guys have gotten insufferable recently. I can't do it anymore. Okay, fair enough. I, I guess I won't touch that subject, man. No, it's, All right. I uh, get they're entertaining human beings. I get it. But just there's something about them that's, I don't know. They're insufferable. Um, and also, I forgot to mention, because we're talking about analysts, and you mentioned the Oilers, that Stephen A. Smith video. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. He doesn't know hockey, but he knows those two are two of the best. Is he going to have to preface every single time he talks about hockey with, I don't know anything about hockey? Uh, <laughs> if he does, it looks a lot better, and it looks yes. more entertaining, so I like that he's doing that. Um, and that's good. It's just a little entertainment bit. It's not so much ESPN making a joke out of hockey. It's just them recognizing, hey, we're going to have some change here. We're going to start talking about hockey. We're going to bring in the faces. Stephen A. is just our big name right now. Get ready for what's coming. That's kind of how they're working at it right now, and I like it. I think it's quite funny watching him, even if he does prep, start it all off with, I don't know hockey, but this, because he's still he says, an entertaining man. He says the only thing he knows about hockey is the puck is black. And now he knows that Connor McDavid's probably the best in the league. Then they lost. He's <laughs> yeah, learning slowly. Yeah, he's already learning the laws of the jungle. But Horwath, what is your shout-out? Uh, my shout-out's uh, going to be pretty fun. It's um, going to go to a friend of the show. He's probably listening right now, but that's Richard Blosser. Mm -hmm. uh, because after that emotional Game 5, I was not in a very good headspace. Because I get invested into these games, especially being there in person. Mm -hmm. You know, We love this team more than anything, it seems. And you know, I was in that game, and like I said when it all kind of floods out of you at once in an overtime loss like that, it stings. It really hurts. Whereas this last game, I had a whole period to kind of breathe and think about it. Um, but after that game, after that game five, he tweeted at me just out of nowhere. I, you know, didn't make a tweet. Um, he just shot me a tweet. Um, you know, you are right, bud. I can't imagine the walk of shame out of PPG. And, you know, just checking in on a friend like that's awesome stuff. And I said, you know what? I appreciate this kind of thing. Twitter needs more of this because after games like that, it's just Ooh. tearing into each other, tearing into yeah. players, teams, coaches, everything, and just you know checking in on someone. Just you know you're doing okay. I can't imagine what that walk of shame is like, and it sucked. I was silent the entire way to the car, <laughs> and um, but he also did follow it up with good things we aren't doing a post game show, <laughs> and the presence there would have moved it to an automatic E rating. And yeah, I was salty too, but. Um, those are the small things like that that, you know, it's, it helped me a little bit because, like I said, it was not, not a fun headspace to be in. And, you know, thank you again, Richard, for all that stuff. You're a friend of the show and appreciate stuff like that. Yeah, it was a Class A move by a Class A gentleman. Uh, that's the best way to put it. I mean, that, that's just wrapping it up there. But it has been a great show. It has been a great season for the Pittsburgh Penguins and for the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. I do want to finish this off by thanking... Anybody that is tuned in, whether it's live on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, if you tuned into the podcast version, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I, I don't know, a, a can and string, I, however you've <laughs> listened to it, both Horwat and I appreciate everything that you guys do for us as listeners. We appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate you commenting. We appreciate you you tuning into our post-game shows in the wee hours of the morning. We just really appreciate everything that you guys do. We appreciate the guests that have joined us, whether it be Jesse or Josh from The Athletic, whether it be 
Richard Blosser, who joined us, anybody else that joined us from the Hockey Podcast Network. It's been a fantastic second season. We're excited for season three. We're going to get ready for it as well. And we're just very happy to have this network uh, of listeners to get to talk to. And you guys are as big a part of the show as we are, and we try to make that whole. And again, I I just want to state this really quickly. Thank you to the six continents the over 20 countries worth of listeners that are tuned in this season. I could have never imagined being able to say those words at the beginning of this two years ago. So we're ending off this show. Clearly, we're going to be back on Monday. We're going to be breaking down the Pittsburgh Penguins offseason. We're going to be talking about the quest for the number six Stanley Cup, hopefully in 2022. But we're never going to stop grinding because we hope that you appreciate it because we love doing it. And just being able to see that you guys respond makes it all that much more fun. Horwat, uh, anything else to, to add to that before we say goodbye for the weekend? That's, you know, I relay everything you just said. Thank you to everyone all across the world that listen. I don't think I ever would have thought that uh, I'd have been able to say that. And you mentioned you know, people who listen you know, live on Apple, Spotify, whatever. Be, or even, let's you forgot to add one, and that is those who listen while we record. The, the ones that hear half of the yes. conversation. Like I have... You know, Megan and our buddy Matt here, literally five feet away, who don't know anything that you've been saying, but have been hearing me <laughs> yeah. um, discuss. So, yeah, thank you to everyone. It's uh, we're in for a hell of an off season. Get ready for all of it. I think we we knew this was going to be a fun off season, no matter what happened. Mm-hmm. Now it's just here a lot sooner than we wanted, but we'll have uh, things to discuss that's for damn sure and as far as i know we're still at two episodes a week and for the for the foreseeable future so mm-hmm. get ready to hear a lot of us with not a lot of games to talk about it's gonna be a lot of league talk i hope everyone's excited yeah we'll, we'll definitely keep updated with the stanley cup playoffs and giving our opinions on that but we'll do our normal 3m segment which is the must sign maybe sign move on for the pittsburgh penguins We'll do our Seattle mock expansion draft 3.0 because that's coming up as well. The Penguins will lose a player from their team to the Seattle Kraken. But all of that is to be discussed and to be determined in the offseason. But for right now, for Nick Horwat and for the tip of the iceberg podcast, we say goodbye, we say thank you, and we say that we will see you on Monday. Later, everybody. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere. Thank you.